0: me that you'll respond as I preach. I'm not talking about throwing your wrappers if you're having a mint at me or, you know, throwing, you know, coins at me. But if you just join with us and just, you know, add your yes where, where necessary and we'll have a great time in this next half an hour together. Um, I is glad to be able to, I'm glad to be able to speak into this um, series uh, of this month that they've put together here in, at Arena Church Mansfield called Greater And the reality is God does want us to live uh, greater lives than we presently live in. Let me ask you a question. What are you expecting in your life? What are you looking for from life? What are you wanting to do with your life? Have you ever thought about those kinds of questions? I've come across many people who have never asked those kinds of questions. They almost drift through life. And their life drifts. But actually God wants us to live greater. It talks about in John 14 verse 12. And this is the key verse. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone. Anyone who has faith in me. Will do whatever I have been doing. In fact, he will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. God's heart is that we would do even greater things than he, is, he ever did. Now, you may say, how is that possible? Well, it's not possible in, in many ways that we individually are going to you know, just do greater things because the reality is our Lord and Savior and our Master did the most extraordinary things. The point is, what is what, that he's wanted to make is we can do those same things. We can live a great life. And actually how he can become greater, it was when Jesus was living, it was just the sum total of his greatness was found in Jesus alone. But now the Holy Spirit has been poured out. The fact is the Holy Spirit wants to be poured out upon all mankind, upon all flesh. And we all together, collectively, the church worldwide, can do amazingly great things for him. That's the point. But what happens very often is that we allow things to stop us from walking into all that God wants us to live in and what we want to do just for this time that I've got with you and this series we are taking the life of Elisha now if you're new to church you may say that means nothing to me we're going to in a few moments read a story and that story then will just draw one or two points and I really believe even though even though you may have never read the Bible even though you might, your understanding not, but might not be that great. You've never even thought about it. I really believe that these next few moments can have some application for every single one of us, whether we're a Christ follower or whether we're not a Christ follower. I really believe they can be helpful to us. You see, before I get to this story, I, I, I've always, I don't know why, had a, an attraction to rags to riches kind of stories. I love stories that inspire me, that that are aspirational and I think that's one of the things why that's one of our cultures. We have a culture in Arena Church to be aspirational. That means that we're not just going to settle for the status quo, we want to step into the more that God has for us. I love stories where people have started with little or with nothing but through courage and persistence and tenacity and often through adversity, They've had to work hard. They've had to, you know, push through. Oftentimes there's been divine intervention. But these people have accomplished great things. You know, as a boy, I remember um, going through a set of books that we were given and we were asked to read their lives and then make comments about them. I think it was part of our English or history. I was just drawn, I was transfixed by great men and great women throughout history who've done incredible things in their lifetime. So I have an attraction to those kinds of stories of greatness and people who've lived greater. And if I can say both in the church and also in the world at large, there are some famous business leaders. I don't agree with everything that they do and I don't believe, agree with everything that how they live their lives, but you know people like Richard Branson and Sir Alan Sugar, or Lord Sugar should we now call him, and you know, even Steve Jobs, the the founder of the Apple Corporation. Remarkable stories of rags to riches out of nothing. They build these great corporations. You know, whether you're a fan of Harry Potter, whether you agree with Harry Potter, I'm not about to comment on that, but there was an author by the name of J.K. Rowling who literally came from real obscurity, smallness, and poverty, and has wrote these incredible Books that have now sold across the world. And she's an incredibly influential writer. John Grisham, who's an also, also another uh, author uh, in the in the US. Just from nothing, they've accomplished great things. And when I think about Christian leaders, Christian pioneers, my mind goes to Florence Nightingale. We have some nurses here. The Lady of the Lamp. What a remarkable mo- uh, lady she was in terms of what she accomplished. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of people like John Wesley who was the founder of the Methodist Church who literally from nothing just established just churches across the world and interestingly about John Wesley the first two years of his ministry were a complete and absolute failure. He completely failed in where he was at. He went somewhere, believed something didn't work and had to come back but out of that, God began to do something great. And of course, the man who, if he was here yesterday, Andy mentioned, who's actually preached in this building. It's always a great claim to fame, General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. What a remarkable story. You know, just born in in Nottingham there and, you know, trained as an apprentice pawnbroker. And and then just the, the Salvation Army went worldwide. People who have started small, gone from nothing, but have created something incredible. All these people I've mentioned, they have one thing in common, and that is they all started small. Now I want to take a story in the Bible that involves a mom, and we do honor you Ladies. We really do honour you. We, 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 we love the fact that we have many ladies and many blokes in our, in our church. I'm glad, actually, if I can mention this for the blokes, because oftentimes most churches have been populated by women, and I'm glad that across Ilkeston and Mansfield, we have as many blokes as we have women, and I think that's brilliant. Yeah don't you? I think it's great that we have men and women. I also think it's great that we have children and young people and older people, multi-generational. I love that. I love the, the fact that we've got stacks of young people. It was mentioned to Glenys yesterday, they're in awe, the people who came, how many young people there were. Nathan, you're, Joanna, you're classed as young, okay? I actually think they were talking about me. I think that's who they were talking about, but, uh, and I'm going with that. Um, but I love the fact that we've got that. But we do honour you mums, we really do. We love the fact that you're here. We love the contribution that you, that you bring. And if I can say this, we actually do believe that, you know, women are important in our church and they can bring a lead in our church as well. We're not male-dominated. We, we love male and female leaders. Can I hear a big amen? And what I love about mums is they in particular will do anything for their children if they're a good mum. We saw it on the video. They will sacrifice, they will labour, they will love. And the story that I want to take us to is found in 2 Kings and chapter 4 and verse 1. It's going to come on the screen, so if you've not got your Bible, don't worry, because you'll be able to follow it with me. But this mum, this is exactly what she was like. We don't know her name, but we know a little bit about her story. And so shall we begin at verse 1 of 2 Kings and chapter 4. It reads, the wife of a woman, sorry, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So she was crying out to Elisha, who was the man of God of that day. And she cried, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors, his debtors, are now coming to take my two boys as his slaves. We'll come back to that in a moment. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she replied, your servant has nothing there at all, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons And pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, pour it into one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her and she just kept on pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, "Go sell the oil to pay off your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left." You see, the context of this story is we've read there's a wife who, with two boys, and her husband now dies, and you know some of you have experienced people who 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 you've lost who who have, who have died tragically, you know maybe you know prematurely and um, it's tough I've spoken to people who've raised children on their own and it's very very tough both men and women but thankfully many times there has been a support mechanism around there's also been the help of the government that has brought some provision to those families but in the context of this story that would not have been the case because there wasn't the support necessarily of a government who would provide financial assistance and support. She was on her own. Some of you know what it feels like to feel like you're on your own. She was on her own. And she was on her own with these two boys. We don't know how old they are, but we can only imagine they were boys, because it doesn't talk about men. There were two boys. And the law of that day was that if there was debts owed, the creditors could come and take the two boys away. And they would become slaves to the creditors. So it's equivalent to Jared being owned, owed money. I owe him money. And he comes along and, sa- and I say, I can't pay you. And he says, okay then. Then I'll take Isaac and I'll take Lilia, And they will come and serve in my household. They will be my servants. They will be my slaves. And that's what happened. Can you imagine the the crisis at that moment that she felt, what is going to happen to my kids? And that is why she began to cry out. I don't know whether you've ever cried out. I've heard shrieks in my time and some of those are still with me to this day. Of people who I've had to deliver bad news to, or people who have just literally found out that they've been diagnosed with terminal cancer or, or people who have just lost a loved, loved one. And as I've walked into that house, they began to shriek just at the, not at the sight of me, but just c- cried, cried out to God in such pain. I don't know that you've ever felt like that, where you've just cried out. This is what it was. The word cried that we read there, which was despair. That's the, the, the thought of it behind it. She was in utter Despair. You know, if I can just digress for a few seconds, this is the kind of world that we live in. You might not hear the cries, but behind closed doors, people are crying like that every single day. They're in utter despair. That is why the church needs to be here. That is why you need to be here on a Sunday morning. That is why you need to be in your communities. Because we need to be the light of Jesus to those cries of despair. That is why we have charity shops that is why we have community programs. That is why we're endeavouring to open this building up on, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. So we can connect with people who were in despair, who were crying out. And that's what was happening. That is the story. But she cried to the right person. She cried to the man of God. And um, I believe there are three things that we can learn from this story this morning that I really believe will help all of us wherever we are. The first thing I want to say about this mom, about this widow, was she was very canny because, point number one, she was told to use whatever she had at her disposal. So my point is, use whatever you have at your disposal. If we want to live greater lives, because out of nothing... God began to do something great, we have to first of all learn to use what we have at our disposal. 2 Kings 4 verse 2, it reminds us, Your servant has nothing, she says, Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. You might feel like you have very little to contribute. You might feel like, Christian, this has no relevance to me because how can I live a greater life? How can I ever do anything? Because have you seen my life? Have you seen what I look like? Do you see where I come from? Do you see the lack of education? Do you see the lack of resource? And we're always putting up all these kinds of things, lids and limitations of why we can't. But God said to this woman in her cry and in her despair, what have you got? What have you got in your house? Well, I've got a little bit of oil in a jar. And he says, That'll do. Because what we've got to learn to do is bring what we have at our disposal and bring it before God. Some of you, all you have is a sewing machine. Well, why, why don't you begin to just go and make some things? Some of you have, have got food mixers and an oven. How about going making some cookies? And if you really want to, so make custards. I'm not looking anywhere in particular. So make custards. And go and give them away. Bless the community. There's one lady in, in the church in Ilkeston, that's how she started. She just felt the Lord say to her, in her neighborhood, there was kids all over the place. And of course, you have to be very careful with this, with children and all that. But she just really felt the Lord say to her, just begin to go and make some cookies and go and give them away. And these were kids that were causing trouble. And she was in a, lives in a real tough area. And that's what she began to do. She began to make these cookies and began to give them away to the kids. She just used what she had at her disposal. She wasn't looking for a big platform. She just said, what have I got at my disposal? Some of you, all you've got is a car, but you've got a car that can transport people. The amount of people who said to me yesterday, well, two people, let's not over exaggerate. Right. If we could get here, we'd come. I thought, well, I can't really say too much because I'm not here all the time. But it was interesting that they were interested to come and some of us have got cars and that's what we have at our disposal. You see, God delights in taking the small insignificant things of our lives and he begins to do something great with them. Do you believe that? This morning he really does. You know, the Bible encourages us encourages us me from 1 Corinthians and 1 and verse 27 and 28 and if you're familiar with your bibles i'm surely you've underlined this but he talks about who god chooses it's not who god chooses who you think he'd choose you think that god would choose the sensible god would choose the intelligent god would choose the attractive god would choose those who are physically strong but god choose the foolish things of this world god chose the weak things of this world god chose if we go on to the next verse the lowly things. And he chose the despised things. God, what he's basically saying is here is that God doesn't choose how we would choose. You know, there's, there, there was a parade in, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament and they were ch- trying to choose who was going to be the king. And there were some sons who was who who he brought, the father brought before and he thought, surely it's one of these, but none of them were chosen. It was actually the little boy who was out in the fields, who nobody ever thought of. He was the one who God wanted to use. Don't ever say to yourself, God can't possibly use me. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too insignificant. I'm not educated enough. You are exactly the kind of person who God wants to choose and God wants to use. Don't allow these lids of limitation, a, a, a message of my life. I have to say it's the message of my life. If there's one message that I said I'll never want to give away, it's this. It's about lids of limitation. You've heard me preach it here before. We live with so many lids of limitation. And we, and I was taught as a kid, never say I can't. There's no such word as can't. Have you ever heard that? If you ever, did mums ever used to say that? There's no such word as can't, okay, you know, kind of thing. There, is, there actually is no such word as can't. It's usually won't. I won't do it. You know, God is wanting to do something in our lives that, you know, far exceeds what you are presently living in and what we are presently living in, but we allow the lids of limitations to stop us from moving into all that God has for us we complain about what we have have and what others have we're always looking what everybody else has got and we just need to be grateful the fact is you might not have been given the ability to speak on a stage don't worry about that. But you've been given a great ability to make cakes. Will you go and make cakes of the glory of God? I don't know why I've got cakes on my mind, but it's very much on my mind, you know, here this morning. You, you know, you might not have the ability of these guys who led us so well this morning in worship and, oh, I'd love to be a musician. Well, you might be, but that's not what you've been graced with. You just go with what you have been given. Use whatever has been given at your disposal. Some of you, I tell you, the gift that God's given you is you are so friendly and you are so kind and you bring such a smile and such a welcome and it is such a blessing to people. It really is. Don't ever underestimate what you bring, you know, and what God can do with what you've been given. I always remember very quickly, you know, when we started, and m- many of you know this story in Ilkeston, and we wanted to, we're trying to just grapple, God, what are you wanting to do in Mansfield in the community here? But our community program that now last year topped 200, a quarter of a million income. Quarter of a million. I mean, we spent a quarter of a million as well, so I don't think anybody's getting rich off here. But, you know, a quarter of a million income that came through the things that we're involved in. And I remember seven years ago sitting around a table and we were just scratching our heads, what are we doing? But we decided that we was going to do a food bank and we put a pallet and we said, guys, just bring what you've got. And people began to just bring a tin of baked beans or a tin of Heinz soup. And out of that, we now see all that we've got. Buildings and staff and literally, we touch 3,000 people every single month. Not just casually, we have connections with about 3,000. I actually use the phrase, we're pastoring 3,000 people in Ilkeston through our community endeavours. That is remarkable. We've seen lives transformed. We've seen ba- people baptised. We've seen families put back together. We've seen people who were in prison, in and out, in and out, no longer in and out of prison because their lives have been changed. They've been given a hope. How did it start? It started with just using what was given to us and was what was at our disposal. Secondly, the lady had to understand some things, and this is an important one. She needed, number two, to involve others. To involve others. If we want to do something greater, we need to take what we've been given and use it, but we also need to understand we've got to involve others because it can't be done alone. How do I know that? Well, verse three, it says this: He says to the man of God says to her, verse three, go around and ask your neighbors. For empty jars. And I love this next phrase. You need to mark this in your Bibles. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. You, know, you see, with God, what you ask for is what you get. I've learned this about God. What you ask for is exactly what you'll get. It really is. So if you just ask for a 100 people here, You'll get a hundred people. But if you say, God, we, our desire is that we want to pastor this town. And I actually believe that's the mandate on this, on this church here. I believe every church that we plant, our, the mandate is, because it's not about filling this room. It's not about filling this room. It's about pastoring the town. It's about pastoring the town. Now, that doesn't mean say that all, exclusively all the other churches are useless. I'm not saying that. Collectively, we need, but we need to pastor this town. That's what God's calling us to do. And if we will pass this town, he'll fill fill this place. You don't have to worry about that. But what we've got to learn to do is lift our sights and step into the greater. Because if you ask for little, you'll get a little. But if you ask for a lot, you'll get a lot. And I was always a cheeky monkey, as as some of you know me. I was always cheeky. I would always ask. And it's helped me in in my life. Not cheeky as in out of order, I don't believe. But I've always, and in God, I've always wanted that audacious faith. God, I'd never want to settle where we are. I always want to step into the more of God. God, you've done this. Well, I'm asking you to do more. I really am asking you to do more. And this is exactly what this widow was encouraged to do. But she was also told, you know, you can't do this alone. You've got to involve others. You've got to involve others. If we hear are going to step into the more of God and the greater of God, then we've got to involve other people in it. But what's interesting to note about this story is this must have been terrible for this woman. Terrible because now she's going to have to tell all her neighbours what's happening in her life. I mean, it's bad enough to know that her husband's now dead, but now she's in debt. And sometimes what we've got to learn to do is involve others because as we involve others, then our pride becomes deflated. Because the reality is we can all live with pride in our hearts. It manifests its, way, its you know, way in different ways. But I've heard people say, oh no, I don't need any help, I can do it alone. For me, that's a little bit of prideful. You may say, really? Yeah, 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 I do. Because actually we're not called to do it alone. We're called to do it in community. And God is calling us here to live in Community. And if we're going to see the greater things of God, we'll never do it on our own. We will never ever do it on our own. I always, and I think this is where I I love to be, I love to do it with other people. I love to see other people soar and thrive. I love to see all that was happening yesterday and how people were being exalted and blessed and noticed and whatever. I love it. I love it. Love the fact that Stephen's going to and Alini and the guys who are going to continue to build a great church, and love the fact that he's on the radio, and I, I love the fact because we're not, we're not, we we do it together. We do it together. But what was interesting is this lady, she had to go and do a big ask because she had to go and ask for some empty jars, and then she had to be even cheekier because. The man of God says, and don't just ask for a few. So I'm sure there would have been, the illustration would have been, oh yeah, sure, I can, I can there, you, there you go, Molly. Let's say her name was Molly. There you go, Molly. And she had to say, well, thank you, but do you have any more? You'd think that's cheeky, wouldn't you? But that's what she was encouraged to do. You know, sometimes we've got to be cheeky in how we, in how we go with God. We're just going to press into the, to the more of God. We've got to, you know, not allow our pride to stop us from moving forward. We've got to, you know, just step into all that God has for us. Are you hearing me this morning? You know. The other thing we need to understand as well, finally, before I get to my final point, is that in this I believe there's a principle. I've already said we need to involve our neighbours But I also think it's a bigger thing, and we talked about this, and I think we'll pick it up again this year, is about honouring one another and honouring one another's contribution. We actually say we're going to step into the greater because we're going to work together. And we actually say, Claire, I honour your contribution. And Claire says, I honour Joy, your contribution. And Joy says, I honour your contribution, Adam. We honour one another. We involve one another and we honour one another. And the contribution that we bring. And we don't ever say, oh, those guys, Stephen is on the front and he's always more. We need to honour the man of God. Let me be clear. But he is just operating in his his grace. But somebody who's out in the kids' church, they're operating in their grace. Let's be honouring of one another. Can I hear a big amen? Thirdly. Thirdly. And if you want a Bible verse around that as well, it talks about the working together. One chases a 1,000, but two chases what? 10,000. It's the power of synergy, working together. Just quickly before I do that, the power of working together, it's a great illustration. Those snooker tables and pool tables that you see there, Paul can remember this in particular, and there's other guys as well who can remember it. That wall wasn't there. We built that wall, so there were snooker tables all along here, and I tell you, they weigh an absolute tonne. And the only way we was able to get rid of them, some of you blokes know, how did we do? We worked together. It involved us all pushing and shoving. And some of you ladies got involved as well in that and just moving them to where we got to. You know, we was able to do that because we worked together. It's the power of synergy. One will chase a thousand, two, tens of thousands. Thirdly, not only have we got to use what's at our disposal, we need to involve others. But thirdly, this is what I love. The miracle happens as you begin the miracle happens as you begin I'll say it again the miracle happens as you begin there are so many people who are forever thinking about what they're going to do but never begin never start I'd much rather have a failure but at least you've had a go than somebody who's never tried at all And it says in verse 5 that they brought the jars to her and she kept on pouring. She kept on pouring. She began as the miracle happened, as she began. She wasn't waiting, oh no, I need the man of God here. Oh, the climate's not right. Oh, the jars aren't the right size. Oh, I don't know whether this is going to work. She just began. I love this phrase, all glory comes from daring to begin. I don't know whether you've ever heard that quote. I love it. It's one of my favourite quotes. All glory comes from daring to begin. There are some people who are literally saying to us at the moment, talking to me, asking us about Arena Church how is it happening? How have we done what we've done? They, they're saying things like, we'd love to have a church like that and love to have the size of church and the people and the growth and all the some lovely comments that are being made about around you guys. And I just say to them every time, just start. What do you mean? I said, well, just start. Don't keep talking to me. Just, just start. And I'll say that to them then in a few months time, I'll follow them up. And one or two I've said to them, have you done anything with it? Well, you know, and there's all the excuses. I said, listen, guys, I'm not going to keep talking to you on the phone. I'm brutal. I'm not going to keep talking. Until you begin to do something, once you've done what I've said to you to do, then, then you can start talking to me. Because how did all that God has done amongst us here, how did the Sunday mornings arrive? We just started last week. We started. There's a great number here. We're going to fill this place to overflowing. I believe that in Jesus' name. How's it started? By just, by just beginning. Have we got everything sorted? No. Do, do we know what, what, what the future holds? Well, we know it's glorious in Jesus, but I'm sure there's going to be some there, and I'm sure there's going to be a few there. There's going to be more highs and there'll be more than lows, I can promise you that. But there'll be some lows, but we're just going to keep going, aren't we, in Jesus' name? Anybody with me? We're just going to keep on going, because the miracle happens as we begin. You know, we make our blessings little, because our prayers are so little. I love the thought that Mark Batterson, and Mark Batterson is a great Christian pastor and pioneer and also a great author. And it'll be a privilege to be able to hear him at our conference this year. And I love the phrase that he, that he coined from The Circle Maker. If you've never read, you're into reading a great book, The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. I'd encourage you to read it. But this is what he says in there. It says, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. I'll say that again. God honors bold prayers, because bold prayers honor God. And I forever want to live with a mentality of, God, I want to step into the greater. Who says that you can't accomplish? Some of you kids who are here, some of you younger guys, who says you can't do do what you've got in your heart? Who says you can't? Who says you can't? Now, let's have some realism. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'll pick up on the thought, well, I'm, I'm going to be a supermodel. Okay, that's a bit unrealistic for me. You know, I have a bit of reality check, you know, I probably need to lose 10 stone, you know, get better looking, have some, you know, all that. It's not going to work. But I'm talking about those things that God has placed in your heart that are real. That you want to make a difference for Jesus. You want to build a great business. <laughs> that you want to, I'm saying again, that you want to go and do something you know, performing and arts and all that. Who says you can't? Who says you can't? Who says you can't go and play NBA basketball? Who says you can't? Who says you can't? Yeah? Who says you can't? Well, this, that and the other. Who says? I'm encouraging you that with God, as we just present our bodies before God, and we just say, God, whatever, you know, And the reality is, he'll make it right. If that's not right for us, he'll make it right. The the attitude is, God, I want to do something great for you. Because I had some things in my heart that weren't right. But I want to do something great for you. That was the thought. Use whatever I've got to do something great for you. Whatever's at my disposal, I want to present it for you. I want to involve others because I can't do it alone. And the miracle happens as you begin. Don't just sit on your bottoms doing nothing. This church is never going to grow unless we get off these things and begin to do something. Can I hear a big amen? It's the reality. It's the reality. Rags to riches, they all began to do something. They all started small and God did greater things through their life. As I finish, because I really am out of time, I honestly believe with all my heart, I, honestly, I was really pumped about this message this morning. Really excited that Stephen had given me this because it's, it's me really, start, start small. Start small. You know, some of the greatest churches around the world, they didn't start out to be the biggest church. They just began to do something and they were faithful with what they have been given and they trusted God in it. And I want to say that's the attitude of this church here. We don't have to be in the biggest church in Mansfield. We just want to do something for God. And we're committed to getting off our and begin to do something for Him. And I want to tell you, if we have that kind of spirit, If we have that kind of attitude, if we present everything that we are before God, keep Him at the center, front, central, just at the very heart, then I want to tell you, God will begin to do a miracle. A miracle that will pour out and keep pouring out and keep pouring out and keep pouring out like we saw in in these Bible verses here. It'll keep pouring out. For me, these vessels are churches. We're going to keep getting more churches, and it's going to keep the oil is going to keep pouring out. Extension services, ministry, Stephen, the oil will keep keep pouring out as we begin to not frantically. Oh, I've got to go and do something, but it's going to keep pour as we begin to do something. It's going to keep pouring out, and it's going to be a blessing, blessing to the community. I wonder if we'd stand to our feet. I wonder if the guys are just what a great series that. If I can say Stephen has just developed in this four weeks and just love it, the story of Elijah. You're in for two crackers in the coming Sundays. But I wonder what's in your hand. I wonder what's at your disposal. I wonder if you even had those conversations this week <laughs> like we all can have. Oh God, I can't do anything. What am I? Who am I? God can't use me. I want to tell you, God can most definitely use you. <laughs> he can we just have to say God whatever you've given me I'm going to be faithful with and I'm going to use and I'm going to believe that you're going to pour out from my life a miracle is going to happen in this.